This is an explicit podcast. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, an Age of Sigma podcast coming to you from New Zealand. I am your host, Big Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tubbs, where we put the spotlight on the match play community in New Zealand, carrying off local tournaments, lists, and the occasional battle time. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, episode 31. We are back in your motherfucking ears after being out of your ears for a couple of months. But don't worry, listeners, we are right back in there, motherfuckers, today. It's me, your boy, Big Sean, joined by, or just Sean, just joined by my lovely co-host, Tubbs. Tubby, how are you going, mate? Um, lovely, bro. Now, you're Alpha Sean at the moment, so I feel like you should really not forget about that. Alpha Big Dick Sean is correct. You can address me as such for the remainder of the podcast and until you beat me, my friend. Fucking dreaming. <laughs> which probably won't be too far away given we're coming up to the holiday season. We'll try to get some games in. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good to be back on the mic after a couple of months. A bit more structured to the show, hopefully, than than our last one. That's, um, that's the plan anyway. So we've got a couple of events to talk about with you listeners. Um, we got a one day competitive one, a one day narrative one that we want to shout out, throw some love at. Uh, we want to sort of touch on Marathi as well, the the new Broken Realms book, because it's fucking low hanging fruit, and we've been so content staffed in this country, this beautiful country, New Zealand for the, for the whole year that it's low hanging fruit, and we need to talk about something. <laughs> um, so we'll start with the competitive event that we did. So it was a level one hammer, is what it was called. Uh, the reason it was called Level 1 Hammer was simply because in New Zealand we had to be in Level 1 for the event to go ahead, which was um, the restrictions placed on us by the venue that we used. Uh, so it was just a little one-day event. It was three rounds, competitive play, competitive 2K match play. Um, there was, it was just bring your toys, really. There was like no paint restrictions or anything of the sort. Man, it was great. It's, it's like old-school warhammer before we started putting paint restrictions in everyone yeah. had some gray it was it was nice to see people get their toys out of their cupboard yeah it was like it's, it's definitely not a like i wouldn't push for it <laughs> but it yeah, was quite cool to see it happen again it's not a good look but it allowed people to bring whatever they wanted and that was sort of the point of the event is that we wanted it to be more inclusive and not exclusive because we, yeah, we had the sons of Behemoth come out like Behemoth, or whatever you say, it, like two weeks prior. So we wanted everyone to bring their toys, which which was cool. So it was three games of match play, just a just a one day, as we said. Uh, round one was Total Conquest, round two was Blade Edge, uh, round three was Focal Points. Um, so three missions that are fairly objective based, which I thought was quite cool. Um, what did you think of him, Tubby? Any immediate thoughts about any of those? Or... No. Um, they're all fine. I think there's been some talk about the second one. What is it? Is it the Blade's Edge or Force in the Hand? I'd mix them up now. Yeah, it's Blade, Blade's Edge is the one that we played. Yeah, that it has that same sort of feeling that like old school Scorched Earth, Better Part of Valor, all that stuff had that if you went first and you're fast and you can flood the board, you sort of just win. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can burn the objectives and shit as well. Is that right? Yeah, you, well, like the longer the game goes, the less scoring 
scoring that is on the board. Oh, yes, that's right, because you so, take the objectives away. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so this was me trying to talk really about good. what I thought I knew, but I clearly didn't because I had the mission mixed up. So, <laughs> yes, this is yeah. when we score lots at the start, but then score less as the game goes on. So, like, I can agree that, yes, it does have some problems there, the way it works. But I wouldn't say it's anywhere near as bad as like a scorched earth or a better part of Valor was to like at their release. I still think it's absolutely playable, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's nice because it's also really good, like really bad into a lot of these like stagnant shooting and ranged armies, like mm-hmm. that castle, castle in the corner, or can't hold you know, six objectives at once. So, I don't know. It helps, like, things like, I played Fire Slayers, didn't it? And it was just a fucking nightmare. Like, there's no way I was ever going to win that game. Yeah, I played um, Rohan's Fleshy to Quartz, and it was like a, it was a bat me pretty much. It wasn't, I don't think it was Blister Skin, I think it was a Feaster, if I remember correctly. Um, but he had, like, all the Crypt Flayers, and... I think he had maybe 10 goals. I can't actually remember. We didn't get lists submitted, so it was just lists on the day, so I can't reference anything but my memory. And he just ripped across the board and sort of pinned me. And it's, I like it because it's a completely different style playing Hamlet from how we've used to play it. Mm. Because scoring has consistently always been like, you know, more points at the end of the game instead of at the start of the game. Yeah, um, that's why I like having those sort of missions in there. Like, they've always been there. They get a bad rep because they can give you real feel bads, but uh-huh. I think it's healthy for the game at the same time, as unhealthy and negative as it can be. I got a hot take. I think we need to bring back, although it never was really in there in the first place, but I think total commitment needs to start becoming a regular. Within yeah, yeah why's that? Because I'm sick of eels being off the board <laughs> and fucking charging me first <laughs> turn. They just because I feel like every board, army has yeah. a way to like not null deploy but deploy a lot off the board, um, and I think it is sort of a dynamic that we got rid of. You know, the tournament scene collectively got rid of uh, globally, from what I understand, almost uh, because it does nullify whole allegiance abilities, which I think is pretty shit. Like Nighthorn, Stormcast, you know, gets rid of their teleport. But at the same time, I think we should probably start throwing it in the mix every now and then. Yeah, it could uh, be healthy. Because I feel like it might balance out some of these. Not so much balance out, because if you're a Stormcast player going into, like, eels <laughs> and that, you're kind of like, well, that's fucking dumb. But I don't know. I think people need to... Like, we need to start adjusting for the shooting meta. Maybe people need to start adjusting for... They can't just leave everything off the board, or half their army off the board, I should say. I don't think there's any army that just goes off the borders there. No. Skyborn Slayer's list would be like the most you can put off. Mm. Or like some Sam Morgan fucking null deploy. Yeah, like 20 drop and only 8 of them are actually on the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shadow Warriors and shit. But yeah, no, I think we should mix in total... I don't know. I actually don't think I've ever played the mission, to be quite honest. I think I've played it like once or twice, maybe. Mm. And when you roll it up, I don't know, you're kind of like... 
can't be fucked. I think every time they don't roll it never gets played, so there's no point like practicing yeah. it at this point. Which would make it a good mission to play because nobody's practiced it. It's what I like about a new edition coming out with new scenarios is that people have to like learn how to play quick you fast. Play and yeah, yeah, and not just yeah. like take what every other motherfucker has told them how to play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think it's refreshing. It's yeah, that's I just want to refresh it and I just want to throw a wild card in there because everyone says you have to when you're writing a list these days, you know, you have to um be prepared for to go up against shooting. You know, you have to be prepared to go up against yeah. like magic, you have to be prepared for like Seraphon and Zinch and KO and all those dick kicking armies. And it's like, well maybe we should prepare for a mission that um forces everything to be on the table you know i don't know i don't know it's something that popped into my head the other day and i didn't know if it was a hot take or not i don't know how to yeah. or receive I, it. I would really like it if they just took all like teleports out with total commitment so like if you could start with your army on the board but then teleport from there if they were just like total commitment you can't there's no setups there's no redeploys you just play <laughs> one because yeah, i'm fucking so sick yeah. of teleporting and two because like it's it punishes things where it's, it's like your allegiance ability or you've got a model key pace that lets you do it but if you can do it throughout the game like in a hero phase a teleport or a ko movement phase teleport something like that literally has no fucking effect on you at all like if i'm playing ko and we're playing total commitment i don't give a shit like it does nothing yeah, for me Might but if play you're playing exactly like the slaves, and you know yeah. they have the, the one unit that tunnels up which is probably a mobile unit their units now like fucked yeah they're sitting oh. there like oh jesus yeah this game smiter does half the work i mean it'll still move a fucking million miles an hour anyway so mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's off sort of topic. We were trying to talk about um, the event, I guess. And it's, well, I guess talking about scenarios is relevant. Yeah. Um, I do like the new scenarios. They're good. They're a bit of a refresher. And because of the year of COVID, I haven't played as much Hammer as I previously would have in any other year. So I feel like every time I get to play those new ones, which I think it's only been two or three times now, it's almost still quite fresh for myself. And I yeah. do like mixing it up a bit and you know having the scoring heavily at the start and not at the end is is definitely something different and it's sort of it's counterproductive to how i play the game at least i i normally don't mind conceding early score and and position on the board for late push so and mid-game shit talk and then late push <laughs> but that's that's the sean bates team yeah talk talk shit for the first hour and a half and then win in the last half an hour yeah yeah, um, if I know you anyway, or if I feel comfortable around you, then definitely, then definitely yeah. do that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm like the the we've gone way off on the GHB path, but I really like how they've structured this one. I think this is the best GHB they've put out scenario wise. Uh-huh. Like even the scenarios where some people don't like them, there's nothing like absolutely awful like there's no og better part of valor where you play sylvanef and you literally lose the game in five minutes like all the objectives are gone there's none of that crap there's no what was it like og escalation or whatever 
and you could just stop someone's entire army coming on the board, like game over. Like it's yeah, it's the yeah. fourth iteration or whatever of the GHB, and I think this one is the the best one so far. Yeah, I think Pretty you're hard right. To argue with. Was escalation where your army comes on and like thirds on the backboard edge, yeah, and you can literally deploy in their zone and they can come on the board at all, yeah, which definitely did happen to some people. Um, oh, that's that's old hammer anyway. Yeah, it is old hammer. That's like crazy old hammer, I guess you'd say. Um, but no, I agree, and I think you'll have a lot of people agree with you as well that the missions have done, they've been done quite well, um, and the secondaries are probably more fleshed out than they've ever been i mean they sort of just released them in a pdf one time didn't they and they're like yeah Here's some secondaries go run with them and try them i still and don't love secondaries i don't think they're like i like it if you do the score and deny auxiliary objective sorry that's what they're actually called yeah score deny i think they're worth a damn but if there's no score deny i think they're just whatever they're too easy to get mm. you don't give a fuck if your opponent gets his it's I very... feel like some of them are very easy to get and then you just sort of run out of really easy ones by the end of the tournament and then it's sort of... Yeah, but like if you give it two seconds and you nerd out, like when we played it, what was it called, arms or whatever, I nerded it out and picked them mm-hmm. and I had like no sweat the entire tournament. I think I dropped one and that was maybe because I was lazy or I, my opponent conceded early. Like they're realistically not that hard to get if you, if you work them out. It's like list, list yeah. building. It's just part of your list building. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, you're not wrong there. And I, I mean, I guess I've never really taken the time to nerd out, as you put it, over the auxiliary objectives. I mean, when I was talking to people at CanCon this year, when we went, um, you know, world's biggest event, shout out to, to our Australian homies and all the friends that travelled. Uh, I was talking to a couple of people who placed in the top three, and... Um, and they all said the same thing that they were looking at the secondaries and they were trying to waste their best or their worst secondaries in the first couple of games um, yeah. because they had the same sort of mechanic and they were trying to use their weakest ones early so that way when they got to rounds five and six hopefully they would have easier ones because they felt yeah. like that's where it would count more easy ones where your opponent and, can't stop you getting them and also, if you drop one secondary in the first round or two or three, it's not the biggest deal because it means that you're going to sit beneath all those motherfuckers that have got, like, perfect scores for the first three rounds. Yeah. So, I mean, I talked to a couple of people, and that was the strategy. And, I mean, one of them won it, so <laughs> shout out to James. <laughs> um, but I did talk to a couple of other people in the top, I think, maybe five, maybe top four, and they were doing the exact same thing. So they obviously put a lot more effort into it than what I did because – for me, my secondaries are normally done two minutes before round one starts, which is not a winning formula at all. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so um, head level one hammer, I ran uh, Luminef Realm Lords. I literally ran a list of every model I owned, um, and that was that was it. There was no s- super awesome tech <laughs> in there. <laughs> like it was... There was no 80 Sentinels. No, it definitely was not 80 Sentinels. Um, like it was like box plus extra lads. Yeah, it was like two units of Sentinels, two units of Wardens, five Dawn Riders, Teclas, a Kafala, um, and Smacking Ghostface. Yeah, that boy. 
Yeah, um, the Illyrian Legion or whatever it's called, the one with Sentinels and the Wardens. And then, like, three endless spells and an extra command point, and I had, like, 70 wounds in my army or something. It was, like, a four-drop or a five-drop. But it was literally just all the models I owned because I wanted to get them up to 2K. And I think I was, like, 1970, maybe 1980 off the top of my head. Um, not optimal at all, but I felt like I learned a bit more out of the army. I feel like Luminef, I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be an expert on Luminef. Like, I don't have as big feelings or as much knowledge for Luminef as I do for, like, Stormcast. Um, so... I mean, everything I might say could just be completely wrong. Um, but I found it's a super matchup dependent army, which sounds silly and like a cop-out comment, but I pay, played Fire Slayers in round one, I played Flesh Eater Courts in round two, and then I played Tubby's Mixed Destruction meme list in round three. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then outside of that, I've played Stormcast with him, I've played OBR, I think I've played Corn as well. Um, and I felt like when I've had good matchups, it's just like, it's just sort of, I eventually went in turn four without having to do much of it and cast Serene White Light and just position on some objectives, to be quite honest. Um, in my bad matchups, you know, when I played Fire Slays and I didn't realize they had like resistance to magic, um, because there's not a lot of, there's a lot of chip damage within the army. The army that I ran at least, because I don't have 90 Sentinels running around just yeeting motherfuckers off the board. Um, so it was like you're doing spell damage and then you're doing one or two mortals off your sentinels and really the power that I had from my list at least came from Alpharion doing his six mortal wounds in a shooting phase because that's just an amazing ability sorry mm. D6 mortal wounds I should say um, least, you know just being able to pick out a hero amongst the pack not even worry about lookout suit or rest of it two up you get fucked it's, it's amazing uh, and then the wardens as well um, just because of the amount of attacks that you have. So, you know, you've got 10 dudes, so that's um, that's 18 attacks with the spears because the champ doesn't have a spear. And you're just fishing for five, so you, you're looking for probably at least six mortal wounds at that point. Um, yeah. If not more, and you can get rerolls in the rest of it. So I think having blocks of wardens is probably under the radar rated at the moment, but again, my scope of experience is pretty pretty minimal, so no, I'm not going to die on a hill on that comment. I think it's what a lot of people have been playing that have a bit more experience with Luminaire is that the Wardens are really going under the radar because everyone's like, oh, Sentinels, Sentinels shooting, we love it. Um, yeah, Sentinels are good, like, but you have to max them out, that's the thing. Like, yeah, My two units are 10 with glass. garbage. I was just like, cool, I'm going to shoot Gordrak or Gordrak, and I'm like, cool, I I got one yeah, like, wound and like two hits, and it doesn't wound, so, you know, whereas if I had 20 or 30 of them and if I had, I think it's Lambent Light, the spell yeah, um, where off. you could reroll hits against the unit. I can't remember what spell names at this point in time. Sorry, lads. But the rerolls the hit on a target with range attacks. Um, yeah, I like I can see how devastating the damage would be in that sense, and especially because it's done at range. But for the most part, this game's won over fighting for objectives in combat. Yeah. yeah. So I think if you have big blocks of wardens, and by big, I mean to be. 20 is enough, right? Yeah, 20 is... I'm not going to say 30 because nah. you run out of points. I mean, a 30 block could be pretty sick, but I think a 30 block is just, like, a pain in the ass to move around the board as well because they're too... Yeah. They're and too like, susceptible to battle shock. They're too slow. Um, they need to be babysat by a Kefala for, brave, for, you know, bravery and battle shock. You don't rely on one buff, though. You know, like, you can... 
have multiple like 20 man units you know like you're better off having three 20 man units than two 30s because you can cast the same buff that they want the most on all of them like there's no there's no like i have this character to give this buff to this unit it's like all the units give themselves their own buff and then that lambent light or whatever it is it's like picking an enemy unit isn't it you don't put it even on on one big hammer piece yeah, I don't think it's the, pick um, an enemy unit and you get to reroll missile attacks against that unit. Which uh, is yes, it like, doesn't even work in melee. No, no. no. Right. So like that's when you have the, the big unit of sentinels just shooting people off. Yeah, which is so absolutely that, viable, but I think it's just a pretty shitty way to play the game, to be honest. And that's coming from a guy who's played shooting pretty thoroughly mm-hmm. for like the last four years of the game. So the only buff that's like targeted that's worth a damn on like a combat like unit like that is the um is the speedy one the double your movement I don't, I don't know what they're called speeder hush yeah speeder hush that's it oh it's speeder hush to double your movements to move 12 they don't remember yeah. if they're shiny or sparkling as you call it um they Sparkly. can't yeah they can't run <laughs> um and they can only pile in an inch so ideally you want them to be sparkly until they're offensive yeah um and then Obviously, they've got Power Hush, which is their own spell for the re-roll, uh, for the five-ups. For the five-ups, yeah. And you really want that, because with free-inch range, like, the whole unit gets to fight, which is the yeah. other beauty of the unit, is that everyone's going to get to hit, pretty much. And then if Among, you... Among, like, hating your life. Like yeah, well, I mean, like, you're going to break all them fucking spears like I have, but... Oh, I mean, that's just, that's, that's what it is. Um, I mean, the unit puts out a lot of mortal wounds in combat, because you get yeah. two attacks piece. And then your captain, your guy for sword, gets a once per game roll atop to do three mortal wounds. So um, I think the potential is there. It's just trying to get the wardens delivered into combat and fighting on their terms because they are squishy. They're bravery six, which is awful. So you have they're to have a four up safe though, aren't they? And then they've got a five up after. Yeah, so that's the when the synergies come in. So yeah, yeah. So the, the shiny gives a minus one, obviously, which is great. That's fantastic just for for them to hold hands with um they get a five up after if they're near techless yep that's true which is again awesome but that's reliant on another piece and you want them to be yeah. self-sufficient yeah um, and a spell show they have a for courts yeah, as well which you can give them a free up safe you know plus one to their safe yeah. or you can give them plus one to hit or make them cast another spell so they could do you know they could do spit a hush then their um if they're going to go into combat, it's better hush to double remove and then power of hush for obviously five up mortals. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, I don't know, I just really like the wardens. I think there's a lot of play yeah. in there. I think having big defensive blocks is going to be awesome. And I don't know if a lot of other people have talked about wardens yet. I'm not saying I'm a, a trailblazer or anything of the sort. I haven't, I don't pay attention to like TGA community or anything like that because nah, yeah. I got I've put off by like Paul Conti telling bit. me that he was a fucking expert in like 2016 about free guild when he was missing obvious combos and I was just like <laughs> this place is dumb and toxic <laughs> I mean hopefully it's got better but when you have twats like that it's just like okay whatever um, so we'll see we'll, I don't so know like I if, like if you were to grab the, the list you had now the models you had now uh-huh. and you were to make a two thousand point list that you'd take to masters or to a big tournament, something that you wanted to do well at. Uh-huh. Where would you go? Would you go to the 
the 80 sentinel spam list or would you go somewhere in between where you have 40 sentinels and 40 um wardens or like would you keep techless in there like what 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 do you think about doing i think you would keep techless and yes you would probably want to just max out the illyrian or however you say illyrian legion which is the two at least two sentinels two wardens you know it's two to four of each unit so um and that way you're two drops so you because the thing is with zench right being in the meta yeah. you have to be able to like drop low enough to sort of outdrop them because they could run across the board and completely fuck you because much like old school sylvanef i found luminef kind of want the first turn because yeah. they want to get the defensive buffs up because there's not a lot of wounds in their army and the other thing i don't like about luminef is that um typically there's only like sort of maybe six to eight units in the army maybe seven units and then only quite big units so there's not a lot of msu spread out objective play yeah so when you start losing two units you're like well shit there's my i've lost a significant you know i maybe have lost 20 percent or 25 percent of my unit count and i'm not talking about models within the unit i'm talking about actual units so you know 20 guys is one unit um and i've lost the ability to project power across the board in areas that i want because the army is slow and it does suffer from that um so for that reason i think you almost need some dawn riders in there which if you have the legion plus techless and is... a dawn rider unit then you're free drops so you obviously lose the the drops to zinch i mean with two units yeah uh, two drops like, should be fine be... because they normally have a fate master so you gotta you gotta win that roll off yeah they're gonna be they're going to be one if they want to go first. Like if their gameplay. No, but they won't because they'll take the horrors and shit, and they'll take that dude who gives them rerolls or plus one ahead or whatever it is. Yeah, that's so that's if they're just still doing the um the conflict list. But if they're doing the duplicitous list, which is the I take first turn and I pin you on the back of the board and you can't retreat and GG, you're gonna have a fucking bad time. Yeah, and that's... Um, then they're gonna be one drop and you can't go one drop, so. You either go to two and then you do the 50-50 dice roll or you go to three, still out drop things like KO and just not Zench, I guess. Maybe you don't yeah. out drop that new Stormcast fucking Lala everyone's talking about. Yeah, um, you, you don't out drop. You might have to roll off on that. Yeah, you don't out drop everything, but I mean, I think you can make a, a one drop list, but... I think the most viable way, because then you have to take Tickless out, and I feel like Tickless is such a game changer where he can completely ruin someone's day. Yeah. Like against your mixed destruction, which has like 16 drops with no ward saves, <laughs> or Stormcast for that example as well. Um, and plus, he gives you a five up save, which instantly it's... makes your army 30% yeah. more resilient. Um, so I feel like you have to take him. Yeah, and like, I feel like, and, and against like Zench, he gives you an opportunity to stop them casting, which I mean, Zench gets off over any casting, right? So they don't care if it's you casting yeah. or them casting. But if you can at least stop them from doing their buffs and their spells that they want to do, and you can get off yours and still count towards their casting, then that's you know still a positive because you're still removing some of their buffs and shit. Yeah. So, like, what looking outside in on it, I think 
at the moment, if you're four drops or less, you're going to outdrop every army except for like Zinch. a Zinch change host. Yeah, and the only one one drop shoot cast. Oh, or a shoot cast. Sorry, there's probably another one that I'm forgetting about. That's real obvious. Um, Fire slice uh, is pretty low, isn't it? Isn't that like yeah? But it's okay. two, so like you're in that two to four bracket. So I think yeah. you're either one where yeah, you're change host or shoot cast, or mm. you're that two to four bracket where you'll outdrop four out of five games, and then you might have a roll off or a or a janky situation like that. Um, and like I don't think I would try and battle too hard against the Zench list because the Conflag list, I think the Lumineff are fine into because Conflag list doesn't want to go first anyway a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But the Duplicitous list, the one-drop one, I think that fucks Lumineff all day, every day of the week. I think you just lose that game. Like yeah. You roll it up and you just fucking go home because you can't kill 100 horrors that your whole army can't retreat from. Yeah, like, assuming you don't, they... you don't have the output to do a hundred wounds to one unit, and they've got fucking more ready to come in there. Like, I don't think you get out of your deployment zone; you just lose. Yeah, assuming they do the right aggro move of like come across the board and put you in a corner. Yeah, which oh, they, they should they're if they're playing that, playing that list, army. They yeah, if they're playing that list and they've written it right, you you just you lose that game. <clears throat> um, Same thing's questionable about fire slayers too, like. If it's forty or sixty half guard, and they literally just dump them in your face, how quickly can you actually go through those models? Yeah, I. I mean, I tried to against Trey's fire slayers, but yeah, um, I didn't realize that he has like a immunity to spells and shit like that. Yes, yeah, the spell save, um, which. Definitely helped him. I mean, it didn't. I don't think it won him the game, but no. it, yeah, it's definitely helps him. Um, but in that instance, I think I needed more melee units and range units. But then they get to fight first anyway. But I get a double yeah. activation. But then they do mortals, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of sort of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, if if I was going to masters and I was going to try win it. I think you do go with that um, that sort of list in mind with Sentinels and Wardens, and you just mix them up how you want to, possibly depending on the missions, if you know the missions beforehand or not. You know, um, obviously scoping out your local meta, you know, and trying to get an idea of what's what the local people do that you'll be playing against and stuff like that. Um, that would obviously help out. Um, yeah, I think it's easy to look at like the lists that go on um, overseas from wherever you are and get too keen on playing that exact list with everywhere you play, you're realistically tailoring it to your meta, whether, mm. whether you think your meta is the best meta or not the best meta, um, you need to be able to tailor it to like what you're realistically going to play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I don't oh, know. We're gonna play heaps of Zinch. There's always fucking shitloads of Zinch in New Zealand. Yeah, there is a you need enough shooting output to kill the squishy, annoying stuff past those lines. But you need enough output in melee phase and multiple phases to fucking clear off ten, twenty horrors off an objective, you know? So <clears throat> they're the things you gotta keep in mind when you're writing a list. We're not worried about like 
both sort of put down the Eidneth at the moment, but like Eidneth didn't get wild here, neither did Fire Slayers. But there's plenty of, you know, always so much fucking Zench. There's heaps of KO as well, heaps of cities. You gotta tailor it to like realistically what's in your meta, not just what the internet thinks is the best. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair and valid point for anyone anywhere, depending on where you're going. Um, and you're right, New Zealand, for some reason, at least in Wellington, you go to like a 20, 30 player event and there could be anywhere from like three to five Zen Charmies. Fuck, I hate Zen. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. Which is, which is cool because uh, I love the models. I think the models are really cool. And quite often they're somewhat different. They're normally a form of change host to some extent, but. Um, yeah, they, they normally have their own sort of little niche bits, but yeah, yeah. So I, I think, and for Luminef, I think you have to have a unit of Dawn Riders because the army is slow, unless it gets to turn four, and you're playing like progressive scoring, you know, like gifts from the heavens or whatever, or you're pushing on like focal points to grab the one across the board where you can start throwing Teclas out because really, he's the fastest unit that you're realistically going to have. Yeah, because. He starts, you can just you know, double move him. Can't yeah, you? he's at 12 inch move, and you can double move him 24. like guaranteed. So to 24, but he does, you know, he does degrade. So depending on what state he's in, he's probably more likely to be if you're midway or heart or towards the end of the game. If he's taken say eight wounds, you know, he's at eight inch move. Um, so he can go, you know, 16 plus another six or 22. So that's probably far enough to get from one side to another. Yeah. Um, but I think you just almost need a unit of Dawn Riders to well, yeah. which increases your drops. Just and you just sit them in your deployment and they don't do yeah. anything for yeah two to three exactly turns. That. And they do something and in turn four, they're the only way you actually reach out a massive. They're your canary heart renders of the army, really. You know, you keep them off the board as long as you exactly, can. Exactly, bro. And then you're just like, Cool, it's turn four. Old mate's got two clan rats on this objective that's, you know, twenty five inches away that he's sort of neglected because the army's been pushed up, you know, their army's pushed up in your face. Well, these guys yeah. are now going to go 28 inches around Be the board. three inches away from you, charge yeah, you, and or charge just you sit and... three inches away and score. Like, yeah. if they've got four half guard on that, you just uh-huh. walk your fucking horses over there. They can go, what, 34 inches with a big run yeah. and stand next to the objective and just take it. And there's literally nothing they can do to stop that unless they're screened, like, in front. But still, 34 inches is just about, like, the width of a board. It's yeah, I mean, a the, fucking the long way. Is that they don't fly, but with yeah. a 54 inch move. And you're you doing it turn four. Right. You're doing it turn four, turn five. There's not going to be screens anymore. There's not uh-huh. going to be as much shit. If you've got themselves to the side, they're going to have a nice little run in onto what they want to get onto. Yeah. yeah so, so I think that's sort of, I don't know. Again, I, I'm not a, I don't claim to be an expert on this army because I haven't played enough games with it. There's definitely smarter people out there than me. Um, but I think you'd need, you know, you need the core base of the, the Legion, obviously, because it lowers your drop since it's battle-line units, so it's amazing. That's exactly what you want. Um, I think that, I feel like you have to take Techless because of what he offers and, you know, 90% of matchups um, and his utility to just cast spells. Um, and also he's pretty good in other spell matchups, um, you know, like if you're playing a croak and stuff like that, because he's just got the auto unbind. So, um, as well as he gives himself plus one to to unbind. So that's that's always pretty handy. Um, and then my immediate thoughts, you know, seven games in all, however many games I've played, 
is that I feel like you need some Dawn Riders just for that late game scoring. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can throw them out turn one, which I've done in one game, and it was complete waste because they they don't do a lot to be honest. <laughs> you know, they're not they're not overly fighty. I mean, if the perfect scenario, you know, when they fight one wound infantry, then fantastic because they get more attacks and shit. But yeah, I I wouldn't rely on them to kill anything. I'd just rely no. on them to go twenty eight to. 34 inches across the board and score easy points. Yeah. You know, turn three, four, five, more like four and five. Um, but yeah, I, I, so just to not talk about this too long because I feel like I have been for a long time now, but I really like the wardens and Teclas feels like he's worth 2,000 points in some games and then in other games I feel like he's worth next to nothing. So I think he's extremely match up and situational. Um, playing against people that don't have any magic defense, and he just has the best time. Um, playing against like a Nagash who has decent dispels or unbinds, I always misname them. Um, and you start stressing because all of a sudden you can't just automatically do four spells, and you have to really start thinking about yeah. what other units and start doing them. So, yeah, yeah. Did you want to talk about your mixed destruction at all? Or you're not fast because I know you were sort of taking a meme list. Um, no, it was good fun. I had like the hideous grots on the planet and still wasn't enough to smack through um, fire slayers. So <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty gutted. I thought they were going to chomp through 20 half guard in a go and they only killed like 11 or something. And I was, I was heartbroken. <laughs> it's a pretty good effort, bro. Fire slayers are pretty fucking hard to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Half guard, uh, it was a good push, but it wasn't quite there. As much as people complain about eels and stuff like that, which we all do, half got are pretty fucking amazing too. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty ridiculous. I think yeah. we're quite fortunate that um, barely anybody plays them over here. Yeah, there is a couple of them floating around, but it's definitely yeah. not like it could be. They're not hot on the tournament scene. Um, Within New Zealand, they have been but... in some other places, yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, that causes some problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just to go over the um, the placings. So, Mitch, Mitch Hardy won it with his Ossiat Bone Reapers. Um, so, good on you, Mitch. He had the Nagash and all the horses, which I think he went on AO's coach's show a few weeks back and talked about. Um, so, good on you, Mitch. Uh, Trey, so, Mitch went 3 0. Uh, Trey. Took his Fire Slayers. I played Trey in the first round and I lost to him. He's been playing Fire Slayers for like a year and a bit now, maybe two years. I don't know. This year is like just been a complete blur because of COVID. So it's probably longer than what I think it is. Um, and he he also went free, you know, because he was like not the perfect number to have the top tables play each other because there's only three rounds. Mm. Um, but Mitch got two more secondaries than, than what Trey did. And we did the score. You choose two secondaries at the start of each game and you get a point for scoring and a point for denying. So a total of four points between you and your opponent. So Mitch got two more secondaries than what Trey did. Uh, then we had Jesse coming at third with his Living Cities. So Jesse went two and one. Um, He's so good at coming out of the fucking, out of the blue. Hasn't played in like, at a tournament in like five, six months, and then he pops out and he just quickly podiums and then he fucks off for another six months. Yeah, we haven't seen Jesse for a while, so it was really <laughs> cool to, to see him with his living cities. And he went two and one and came third by um, one secondary, 
so then Anthony came fourth with two. Uh, he went to and won as well, and he was one secondary behind Jesse. And then I came in fifth, and I was one secondary behind Anthony. So the secondaries, the auxiliary objectives, really did what they were supposed to do. And in a smaller field, they sort of broke it up. Um, mm. So it was secondaries first, and then we had strength for schedules, the next tie broke. Um, and then shout out to Jux, uh, Jux Boots, who um, turned off his fire slayers. First time he came to a tournament, said he had a great time, loved it. He's new lad to the scene. Well done, Jax. Um, came six at his first tournament, something you should be pretty proud of. He pretty went two and one. Um, so there was four, five of us on two and one, and we were just all separated by secondary. So I think he's done pretty well um, to to have a result like that in his first tournament. Yeah, totally. Um, paint, best paint. Regan. Do you remember who got Regan? Regan. Yeah, it was Regan, I, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Regan won it. And do you know who went to sports? Uh, it went to was, a roller. It was a roll. I can't uh, fucking remember. I'm so sorry. No, it was I three people that rolled on it. It was, it was me, Lee, and somebody. Was it Jarks? I can't remember. Maybe. Was it Nick? I don't know. Uh, it must have been GB. Yeah, it sounds Did, like a Nick Gibson thing. Yeah. I think maybe I can't Lee. Remember. I can't honestly. remember. Yeah, honestly, it's been over a good month or so since we played this month and a half maybe two months um but yeah so that's just our initial thoughts on some match play luminef talk um yeah so we're going to talk about morning con now so do toby do you want to give a quick briefing as to what morning con was yeah so morning con was uh like a peers a banger of a day a, yeah morning con was fucking great um it's like a peers tournament and you and your partner had 750 points each. So 1,500 points total. And you're allowed to take the anvils of apotheosis characters, but no named characters. So um, Sean was real gutted not, not being able to take Scarbrand. Yeah, Scarbrand. Because um, Scarbrand fucks. Yeah, he was not able to fuck that day, <laughs> which was very sad because I figured 750 points, 400-point model, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was a sweet event held in um, held in Wellington. You could bring beers, so we showed up with a chili bin and had an absolute fucking grand day. Um, it was run by Mitch and Tom, and it's not the first one they've done. They did one last year as well, um, but it's the first one I've been to. And I think, to be honest, it was easily the best event i've been in to in a seriously long amount of time um it was just full of fun there was no no real competitive edge everyone was just there to have a laugh um yeah it's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah we had um was it like 12 teams turn up 12 doubles teams turn yeah up it was heaps of players like 24 and players i think been, yeah but... and the venue's not huge but um it's good enough and yeah, it's just it's good one to just a shout out to Tom and Mitch who do Morning Con. Um, they want it to be different. They don't want it to be a ranked event. They want it to be a bit. I don't know if narrative's the right word, but just a different think, spin, but more fluffy. I think maybe. Just as like fun hearted. as they can possibly make it. Yeah, and just dump the competitive bit out the window, 
yeah. and just sort of make it as much fun as creative as you possibly can. I wouldn't. Mm. I don't know if I'd say narrative, but no, I don't think it's narrative at all. I just think it's just like a Mitch and Tom thing, to be honest. Yeah, there's like a thing you... like you couldn't talk to your opponent, like uh, sorry, your teammate, unless you like sent them letters and then yeah, you had you to like r- roll a d6, or you couldn't talk to them unless like your generals were standing three inches next to each other. Yeah. Um, so Sean rocked up to the table and found out our generals weren't actually allowed to stand three inches next to each other, which was an issue. <laughs> yeah, it's a big issue. It's a big issue. Um, but no, it's a great time. It's it was it was really fun. Um, just shout out to the boys. Shout out to everyone there. Everyone came in good spirits. It's the first event we had um, in a while, and everyone was just there for fun. From what I recall, not saying that competitive events aren't fun because they are, but um, yeah, it was more like it was more like tell me that crazy story that just happened or whatever. And the boys were doing random bullshit spot prizes for each round. You know, like a first person to fail a three inch charge, come see me or whatever, and we'll give you a prize and all that sort of carry on. So, um, so that's always good. It's always a, a nice little spin, nice little flavor. Um, and there was a lot of lot more new people here as well, which is awesome because yeah. that's what we want to see in the hobby. So. It definitely had the right vibe. Oh, good vibes only, man. Everyone was chill, apart from us too. Oh, we were chill. We were chill. I mean, we were loud, but we were chill. Um, So quickly we played... So I took um, like a Blood First list. I had like a Rage First and a Fury First, and then two units of five dogs. And that was it. What do you have, Tubby? I had a Trug Boss, and two units of 20 shooters and then i had grot that's right your anvil's hero yeah you want to tell the people what he was what he was about uh so i made a it's supposed to be a godrak conversion of a um a grot on top of a carmine dragon the forge field thing and i just called him grot uh and then i realized i could play him at this event too and just make him an anvil's character and call him grot so i had a great time Sean didn't enjoy the fact that he had a six-up armor save, but other than that, he was dope. I just remember getting charged by something that was relatively weak. <laughs> just like Chaos Warriors like, or something. Yeah, and they were like 10 <laughs> saves, and you're like, oh, fuck, and I was like, why is that an issue? And you're like, he's only got a six-up save, and I was like, oh, good. This, like, half your army <laughs> unit has a six-up save. Okay. <laughs> it's on a fucking dinner plate with a six-up save. <laughs> But whatever, I thought that was quite cool. I mean, it was within the spirit yeah. of the event, so... Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, we went 2-1. I don't know where we finished. I don't even know if there was I an actual finishing. no idea. Like, actual standings. I don't really think there was... In this. I think... I'm Surely someone won, but I was pretty... Uh, Lee, Lee and... Um, oh, Lee and Jebson, wasn't it? Lee and Jebson won, yeah. Yeah, so shout-out to him. Um, I don't know the rest of the standings, sorry, but just a shout-out to our opponents. So we played the Fat and the Furious... Uh, which was Chris and Adam. Uh, Chris had Slaves of Darkness. Um, I guess the most remarkable thing about his army is he had six Varengard in a 750-point list, <laughs> which was pretty cool. And Adam had a Frost Lord on Stonehorn, which just literally tabled mine and Tub's army. <laughs> like, single-handedly just fucked our whole army. Uh, until I summoned the... Yeah, he does, man. Until I summoned the and then... Managed to chip the last like three or four wounds off him, um, but yeah. So shout out to those boys. They were they were our first game. They were a good good fun game. It was a blast. 
Um, our second game was Gork and or Mork, and it was Rohan and Ross, and as the name suggests, Rohan was playing Iron Jaws, and Ross was playing Grimspike Gits. Um, something quite right. ridiculous happened in this game, and I'll let Tubby Amazing. explain it because he was a huge fan of Yeah. A huge fan of it, yeah. Yeah, you're a um, huge fan of what happened, so... Oh, man, it was so, amazing. Yeah, the listeners into to what the quirky thing was that happened in this game. So, there was so many extra rules for this this coalition playing as peers thing, and um, Ross had obviously read them, and nobody else has. So, what happened was, I think they took first turn and moved up, and then we took second, and then we doubled them. Um, and we basically smashed most of Rohan's army off the board. Uh, so I think he had like five brutes left. <clears throat> and Ross goes, hold up, hold up, hold up, before we take the turn. I'm going to spend three CP and just fucking ditch Rohan and join these guys. And Minshaw's we'll standing there like, what? Yeah, like, yeah I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to betray Rohan and join them. Yeah, he was just team. And I was like, sleepy the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, fucking yes. <laughs> Jump on our team. And Rohan's just standing there like so disappointed with his five brutes. Like, this is so dumb. Yeah, that was, oh, um, it was a bit nuts. So good. The room just sort of went off at that moment because it was just some quirky bullshit that was frankly unbelievable because you can't do that in, you know, in the norm sort of competitive style that we play. <laughs> no way. But he was just like, yeah, I'm just like switching my team now. And we were just like, go on then. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Poor, poor Rohan was left a bit a bit saddened by that because Ross was sort of like hanging back and holding the objectives and Rohan <laughs> like pushed forward to try clear us out. So all of a sudden Rohan was just like, <laughs> yeah, left with five brutes, unfortunately. <laughs> but no, the game was huge amounts of laughs. That was, that was great fun. Um, and then the last, our last game um, that we played was um, against the Sons of Burmat, uh, which was Daniel with his Zinch and then Alec with his Beast of Chaos. Um, I guess the the juicy things in this is there was a unit of nine Borgals. Oh yes, so say. juicy. Um, I'm just trying to pick out different sort of things that. These people's lists have, and then um, Daniel had some had some screamers um, and some flamers and um, some horrors. And I guess one thing that I remember from this match that was like a highlight for myself, probably not so much of a highlight for Daniel, is that my rage first went into his uh, unit of horrors, which you're like, okay, you're killing horrors, not a big deal. Um, but I rolled up four wounds, and three of them were sixes, so it was twelve mortal wounds. So I bombed off 12 horrors instantly, and he failed all his six ups. And then I killed, like, three of his heroes that were standing next by, nearby, like his and Alex's heroes. And then I killed a couple of fucking Bulgors as well. And then I rolled up the damage because it's D6 as well. So it's the 12 plus 4 D6. And I rolled 16 on the, on the, on the 4 D6, so I did 28 wounds to that one unit, and then 12 wounds, 12 mortal wounds to every other unit. Within eight, which was a lot of units at that time, because it was just like turn two, um, and they just yeah. blew up, which I thought was, I mean, I enjoyed it. Amazing, but I don't enjoyed it. It's, no, yeah. and the trog boss squished three bull, uh, three bull girls in that combat phase as well. So we're pretty much just standing there yelling, That's going right. off. 
and that whole army just disappeared and they took it, they took it like champs so that was great because um you were quite rowdy at that point oh we were hugely rowdy but yeah you're right they did take it like champs they were took on the chin absolutely fine about it it was a good laugh uh we were having some beers and i think they joined us in some but they also had to drive um so they weren't as into it as what we were i guess um yeah and that was the day it was pretty fucking cool then we went and had some dinner downstairs with some of the boys uh, and then we continued to party on into the night and we actually picked up um best sports so thanks to all our opponents oh, right. for us it was that was really really cool um glad you enjoyed us in our element i guess of like being at an event where you could get loose at and not having to organize it so hopefully it wasn't too overwhelming for some people <laughs> um some self-reflection the morning after i was on myself i was thinking oh shit i might have gone too far in some instances but it's <laughs> gonna <laughs> <laughs> you know um but, but hopefully not since we got best sports um so yeah it's I know it was a complete pleasure. I love playing at Morning Con. It's great fun. If they do it again next year, or even in six months, or even in two weeks, um, and it's oh, the same absolutely. sort of format, definitely good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just good to see all the friends and um, not really worry about the hammer. It was just like a giant social. Was the way that we sort of treated it anyway. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add to about Morning Con, Toby? No man. No, if they do another one, I would not miss out on it. Definitely don't sleep on morning con. It's a fucking awesome time. Yeah, if you're in Wellington and you've got a day free whenever it comes up, and you've got a mate, or even if you don't have a mate, put a put an ad out there. Try get someone to come along. Um, I would absolutely recommend coming to it because it is it is absolutely a great time. Um, can't recommend it enough, and have no bad things to say about it at all. Other than I lost a bunch of shit there. Um, but I found it the next day because I was a little bit fuck-eyed, as I said. But that's my own fault. That's not morning consult. Um, yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about touch on Marathi? Is that what yeah, you want? for sure. So I'm hoping that you're going to carry this section, bro, because I am aware of, and we're obviously talking about the Broken Realms book, Marathi. So um, I wouldn't say it's end times, you know, 2.0 because... I haven't heard a whole lot of buzz out of the narrative of it. Um, it's more like, what did 40k do leading into the new edition? What was it called again? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. Auto's narrative book? Is that what it's called? No, what are narrative ones? I don't know. Psychic Awakening. <laughs> Psychic Awakening, that sounds right. Yeah, rough. so it's going to be the exact same thing. This is, probably gonna, this is probably what's going to happen every time there's a new edition. So we'll get like anywhere from six to ten of these books. I don't know how many. And then there'll be a new edition at the end of it come sort of June next year. So that's most likely what's going to happen. Um, it happened with 40k and it's going to happen with AOS. And I mean, it's a good way for GW to make money and move the story on between editions as well, I guess. Um, so, I mean, it's the book's been out for a few weeks now. So we're not the first to break any news on this or anything of the sort. So you've most nah. likely heard about this, listeners. So yeah, Really, I'm just, just quite keen to talk about the, we'll talk. The you talk. I'll shut up. You talk. And the, and the Stormcast side of things. Okay. Um, especially since we both play, have played, or are playing the hell out of those armies at the moment. 
Uh-huh. Um, We're familiar <clears> with those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The um, the thing that really excites me about the Daughters of Cain changes is the shooting snakes. So everyone knows how decent the shooting snakes are shooting. I think the thing that's getting looked over in all the all the podcasts and stuff that I've listened to is their actual combat output. Because the beauty of Daughters of Cain is that all of the Daughters Kane buffs can go on any unit in the army. So realistically, a shooting snake in combat is has as much output as witch elves with a buckler, or as sisters of slaughter with knives. The only thing that has more attacks in combat than than a snake is uh, the the witch elves with double knives. So the beauty of it is is that if you run the shooting snakes, you're always going to run Marathi, I think, um, unless you're running just a small unit. Sorry, just for context, Tubby, how much output does a witch elf with knives have? Just for people that don't know. Yeah, so I'm sure most people go, oh, it's a lot, but just for context. Yeah, so a single witch elf elf with a a knife is four attacks, uh, threes and fours, no rend, one damage. Um. A completely unbuffed bare bones uh, bow snake in combat is two attacks, threes and fours, no rend, one damage. Um, the beauty of it is that you're always going to take Marathi. Pretty good melee profile for a, a range for unit. a shooting unit. Yeah, yeah you're you always going to take Marathi with them, so that you can shoot in the hero phase or fight in the hero phase. But more than likely, you're taking it just for their shooting. You're taking a good block of. I think 15 is a good number. I don't know about 20. It seems pretty big. 10, I don't know if it's enough. 15 sounds pretty good to me at the moment. Um, <clears throat> but Marathi has a passive buff now that when the Shadow Queen, the big snake Marathi, is in combat, she gives all of the snake and harpy units plus one attack. So that means that all of the bow snakes go up to three attacks in combat. Threes and fours, no rend, one damage. The other awesome thing about the bow snakes is that they have higher bravery than a witch elf or a sister of slaughter does. So what that means is you're more likely to proc uh, the mine raiser extra damage. So at full buffs, you can get the bow snakes up to three attacks, hitting on threes, rerolling everything. Sixes explode into two hits. Winning on fours, rerolling everything. Rend one, two damage out of a shooting unit. Like, I don't, I'm missing why nobody's talking about the fact that their shooting output is really good because a 15 man unit is 30 shots in the hero phase, 30 shots in the shooting phase, so 60 shots, threes, threes, which gets access to the docked rerolls. So in turn four, say, it's uh, threes yeah. rerolling everything or rerolling ones, depending on what yeah. tempo you're playing. And then threes re-rolling. again, rerolling ones, rend one, one damage, do mortals on sixes yeah. to hit. Um, and then when they get into combat, it's the same thing all over again. It's three attacks per snake, threes rerolling, fours rerolling, rend one, two damage. The output's fucking awesome. <laughs> like it, and they move eight inches. They're faster than a witch elf. Are if you've got wounds? the Malusai girl, yeah, yeah, two wounds. And they've got save. a, they've got a better save than a model with a buckler does uh, 
purely because you only get the buckler save in combat. So a Sister of Slaughter and a Witch Elf is a six-up save base. If you give them the buckler, they go to a five-up save, but only in combat. So a snake is always a five-up save base. Um, and then obviously you stack buffs on top of that. you got plus one from your cauldron, or you, and then you've got um, an extra five-up from your Hagnar, if you like it, or... Or Calibron, I'm getting a bit frisky about Calibron at the moment. Um, <clears throat> but I I just see them as such a good versatile unit. Like you take the you take the new Malusai character, so now they're an eight inch move. They roll two d six when they run, and then they can charge. So the threat range is you know twenty inches, thirty two inches, way further than a, a, a witch elf or sister slaughter can go. Uh-huh it's it's pretty scary and especially with that new uh daughter's unit that's coming out the um the war cry one which is no doubt going to be way under pointed naturally minus one to hit plant and calibron now it's minus two to hit i think they just supersede uh the witch elves and the sister and mm, maybe the sister of slaughters but definitely the witch elves still love sisters yeah yeah sisters are still amazing the six inch pile is what keeps them money that's what it is right and sort of trick run and charge and retreat and charge and all this sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. So, I think yeah. it's it's the combo of being in a ranged meta, having a unit that's if they're not underpointed, I'd be super surprised. But I I honestly think they're just gonna drop them at seventy points like the rest of the Warcry uh warbands and they'll probably dump bump them up to a hundred points come Christmas time. Um Probably not that quickly, bro, but I get what you're saying. Well, the, you know, there's the points, points. There's the points reset at Christmas time, so I assume yeah, that's yeah. what's going to happen then. Yeah. Um, if they're Logic even out for that time. Stuff. So there's the uh, the Knight Shadow Stalkers or something, I think they're called. Their, yeah, output, yeah. their output's awesome. They've got a natural teleport built into their kit. Um, you can normally take the Warcry models in up to 40 in a unit. Um, they're normally 70 points for 10. The biggie is that, yeah, they're minus one to hit innately. You put them in Calibron, they're minus two to hit innately. Uh, Calibron works really well with the bow snakes because what happens is first turn, Calibron gives you a teleport every hero phase, uh, which means first turn you can teleport the bow snakes just up the board a little bit so they're in range to shoot in the hero phase and then shoot in the shooting phase so you're not losing any efficiency there. Um, the, the fact that the Calibron debuff to shooting hangs around no matter what you can't actually get rid of it i think hagnar still absolutely has wheels because it is the powerhouse battalion uh sorry temple uh, that's better in more scenarios than the calibron is but in this meta when you get to the very top tables is your 13 wound slaughter queen gonna hang around and do you want a 13 wound slaughter queen because that means you're not taking Marathi, which means you're not probably taking big units of uh shooty snakes. It's now there's like two completely different lists there, I think. And I think it really breathed a really good, healthy breath into Daughters of Cain. I think there's like a there's a very specific Calibron list, and then there's the pretty standard Hagnar list, uh, which may have some swapsies between Witch Elves and the, the new Warcry Warband. But I think you can still just run the um, the Slaughter Troop, 
kick Marathi out of it completely because she gives you nothing there. Um, <clears throat> she's too expensive now to not be making use of, of shooting and combat with her awesome command ability. And then I think you just pump it up with more witch elves. I quite like the prime playing in it earlier. He's cheaper now too. Could work mm. really well. Combos really well with Mindraiser. Um, he's effectively giving you plus three bravery the turn he comes down. So there's there's a bit of play there. Um, but then if we're talking about Calibron, uh, I'd absolutely be taking Marathi, 15 bow snakes. Um, not worrying about your drops. You'll end up, you know, nine drops, ten drops. It's uh, The other beauty of it is that you can... <laughs> fuck, Calibron's good. <laughs> you, you can, you've got the opportunity there that if you're taking Calibron with Marathi and Bow Snakes mm -hmm. is that you can alpha shoot with the Bow Snakes or you can alpha yeet Marathi in with the Mirror Swap. Yeah, yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, so you've got to... You watch just can't do that trick of changing her base size anymore and making it a closer charge. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't work with Mirror Swap, but Mirror Swap... Oh, that's right, works. because you had to be at the start of the phase to do it, eh? whereas Mirror yeah. Swap... Yeah. So how that one works is... It's quite a complicated spell, um, but it's really strong. So you pick two friendly hero units, and they have to be heroes. Um, and they can't have any models with within six inches of them, I think it is. I might have the, the spacings wrong here. Uh, they can't have any friendly models within, or enemy models within six inches of each other. <clears throat> and you grab those two models and you swap them. And so once they've swapped, they're still free to move, do whatever they like as, as they previously did. So what happens is you teleport a unit with the Calibron command ability. You teleport a Hag Queen over into the, wherever the fuck you want it. I think the spell's range is 18 inches. So you measure 18 inches from Little Marathi to the Hag Queen and then from Little Marathi to Big Marathi. It goes off on a four up, which is ridiculous. So it's a three on the dice from Marathi. You roll your three up, you swap the two models, you stick Marathi's base where the other base was, and because it's so much bigger than the Hag Queens, you get about, you know, three inches of movement there. <clears throat> and then it does not stop Marathi moving because she hasn't been teleported. Only the Hag Queen's been teleported. So then she gets to move her 14-inch normal movement fucking anywhere she wants on the board. Having 15 bow snakes means that you can shoot it off any chaff lines that would stand in her way, and then she's got four rounds of co uh, combat in the middle of somebody's army while you're scoring points while you're pushing up. Um, yeah, it's oh, uh, Calibron's got me got me vibing again for Daughters of Cain, and I, I sort of can't wait to take it to take it to an event at the moment. Um, yeah, dude. I think I mean like my opinion of it and. I'm not a Daughters of the Cain expert um, at all. I'm aware of what the army does, but I think it's just honestly the rich getting richer. <laughs> to be quite honest, like Daughters have never been a bad army ever. No. Nah. Um, they just haven't been. I mean, it was, when Rob it, was doing the stats, I think they were sitting at like a 65% win rate or something, which is unheard of. It's because um, it was mono build. Like, and it was honestly. A, Better you combat like army than any combat army out. out there, and it was more resilient than anything else out there. Maybe Fire Slayers has sort of taken that place now. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's my argument how, to why you can to... see as much daughters. Is yeah. that they're a better, more resilient combat. They do daughters better than daughters do daughters. 
Yeah, daughters not, anymore. not yeah. so much uh, the rest of it. So daughters have just been brought up to um, a shooting. I wouldn't say shooting. I would say like, uh, like they have a proper. I really don't like these sort of hybrid. I do a bit of everything lists. Yeah, but I think that Calibron, uh, fifteen bow snakes, Marathi, and then your standard. Uh, Sisters of Slaughter, Harpies or uh, Shadow Stalkers list is actually a sort of a all comers, all arms list that I typically fucking hate. But that one does the combat phase so well and the shooting phase so well that I think it sort of gets away with it. Mm. <clears throat> Which might, might mean that it's bent and it's too good because normally when that's what you're talking about, normally that's the case. But, um, We'll have to see it on the table to find out. Because it doesn't have the resilience in the Calibron either. Has the resilience into shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, not the same as a five-up save, but but it has good resilience into shooting. Um, it's just the the combat armies that sort of needs to get the jump on. Otherwise, yeah, it'll take it'll take a pounding. It's just a good army getting better and being given a toolkit that it yeah. previously didn't have. And Absolutely. Oh hey, it gives a what is it a one drop battalion that Marafi won? I don't know, but I don't care about that. Okay. I, don't, I think it's a trap. Um, you can you can max it out with the snakes, but I think I think you think Marafi one to two bloodroot Medusas or like Medusae, and then two to three blood sisters or blood stalkers. You're missing key parts of why Daughters is good, though. Daughters is great because you grab a unit that has a who-gives-a-fuck stat line. Like, a Witch Elf is four attacks maximum, threes, fours, no rend, one damage. Like, who cares? And then you put, like, seven buffs on top of it, and it's all of a sudden a ridiculous murder machine. If you are only taking Mind Razor as your buff, Hagnar rerolls as your buff, I feel like you're fucking doing daughters of cane wrong maybe i'm maybe a one drop daughters is really good but the fun part of the army for me was always like i chuck a prayer on this and i chuck a spell on this and i give it a sippy cup and then uh, i'm playing hagnar so i get more rerolls there and then all of a sudden just a tiny shitty unit or like five models is an absolute mm-hmm. blender and you can't achieve that with that one drop list and you can't really squish it in because uh, you sort of can, but then you're losing the point of the battalion. I think there's a... I, I don't know if you can play the battalions outside of the um, the new sub-faction, the new temple they gave us as well, um, which doesn't jazz me overly. It's fine. You can get some really good output out of the out of the melee snakes in, in that one. But no, I I'm think not. you can. It doesn't say... I'm it just, doesn't? This is just the first time I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, I, there's I'm no prerequisite of... like. So when I look at the Stormcast ones, which I'm more familiar with, it's like, you know, this must be in a Stormkeep army, which is the new sub-faction for Stormcast. New oh, sub that makes sense. I guess it doesn't say anything. Dominic, where, does it? for the Daughters one, um, I can't no, see anything I've, at first glance. I've got here. It yeah. doesn't say... It doesn't say, I guess, it locks it into um, yeah. having to play it in however you say this new 
new temple. I was looking at names before, and I was like, no, nah, fuck that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nah. yeah they're, they're, they're a bit hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about Daughters Kane. It's it's going to be... I like the idea Daughters that you can take these, these shooty snakes, and you can chuck them on an objective, and you really don't care if you get charged. I mean, obviously... No, you're like fucking... But fucking. you can fight in combat, whereas like every other range unit in the game... Like, anyone gets some coming up with my long strikes and my like, well, they're gone. You know, they're fucked. Judicators might hang around for a minute, but probably not. Yeah. You know, the great, the um, great the ones. Sentinels just melt because they can't, they can't fight out of combat. And therefore, if they can't fight out of combat, then they can't use their shooting ability on what they want to. I mean, obviously, they can still shoot what they're in combat with. But you, if your opponent's smart enough, then you've been charged with something you don't want to shoot. Um Whereas these ones, like, you know, you can make them fight in the hero phase or shoot in the hero phase and maybe clear off that unit prior to, yeah, I don't know. I think it yeah. sounds really good and it's not it's not an angle that I'd previously considered um, the combat prowess of that unit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's purely because all these buffs can just be passed off onto anything in the army, which is super strong, super daughter's how daughters play it, it all works so nicely together but yeah i just feel like it's going under the radar like skyfires were amazing because they had great shooting great combat salamanders were a pain in the cunt because they had great shooting great combat i feel like on paper you don't see how great the combat output of these models is but it's actually quite silly like 15 15 times 3 is 45. It's like 90 potential damage out of combat from the yeah. snakes. <laughs> like, that's, that's more than they can do in the shooting phase. Like, in both shooting phases, that's not like, you know, if you do two combat phases, a hero phase and a combat phase, it's like 180. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cooked, man. Like, mm-hmm. they have output. Have you looked much into the um, the Stormcast side of Um, In all honesty... Side of it? To be completely transparent, I haven't looked at it a whole lot. I've listened to what yeah. people have said about it, but I haven't sat there and tried to write lists yeah. with it. Um, what what I do you will... think about the list? The list You're talking about like the like the... 90 liber, I mean, not 90 libs, the 60 lib list or whatever. Yeah, first off, does 60 libs fit wholly within 12 of 40 mil base? I uh, don't know. I don't I I would have a hard time believing so, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't um, sound like it doesn't sound like it would. Like you can obviously do thirty, that would fit. I don't feel like sixty libs actually fits wholly within forty inches of a wholly uh, within twelve inches of forty mil base. Yeah, that just so sounds wrong. So what we're talking about is the Stormkeep Patrol, which is a Lord Veriton, which is like the anti magic priest of the Stormcast. one you never saw. Yeah, he he's a free doggo. He's got a dispel and he gets better if he's close to you and his dog's close to the dispelling unit or unbinding. Um, so situationally good, but too much fine print for me to think that it's viable in every game use. Hmm. Um, you know, Griffhounds, which is crap, but it's attacks. Um, and then two Redeemer units of Justica units and Redeemer's like. The sequiters and the liberators and just the car is the shooting guys, the judicators and the cascaders and shit like that. Um, and what this battalion does is, um, after army's been set up, you've probably heard this all before, guys, but after army's been set up, but before the first round begins, 
Uh, you pick up your army and you redeploy the battalion anywhere on the board, nine inches from the enemy, but wholly within 12 of the Lord Veritant, who's on a 40 mil base. He might even be on a 50 mil base. Nah, he's on a 40. He's just a normal Stormcast hero. What do you go? He's on a 40. Sure. Um, so I haven't measured it out. I haven't, again, I've just heard about this. I haven't really looked into it. Like, it's um, I think it's a. I think, I think it's a 30 in the shooting is, is the way to do it. So the whole the whole jazz of it is that it's like a it's a redeploy before the game starts. So essentially Which is it's a, as fuck. Essentially, <laughs> yeah. And to be able to do it that close, you know, not even sort of wholly within your deployment zone or whatever. It's just yeah. literally anyone aboard more than nine inches away. And the fact yeah. that you can redeploy a significant amount because you can really max this, this out. You fit a lot uh, of stuff in this. Yeah, so I think it's quite um I hope we don't see a lot of these. We probably won't in New Zealand, given how slowly the metal moves. Um, and I'd be surprised if anyone in the country had as many liberators as I do. And I think I have about 40 of them. Yeah. Um, it's getting know, compared to, to Vanguard Wing a lot. It's not um, Vanguard Wing. Uh, but it's not Vanguard Wing. It's not it's definitely not same Vanguard Wing. Like. Um, yeah. Mainly because, like, back then, a two-up save re-rolling ones with all the exploding attacks was, like, way more output and resilience than anything else had. And Vanguard <clears> had no restriction on where it could and go. And no restriction on where it could go. So I think yeah. it's wrong to compare it to Vanguard Wing. I think it's if you're like, comparing it to Vanguard, Vanguard Wing, Wing idiot, to be honest, but Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, it clearly, if you are, then it, you clearly didn't know how good Vanguard Wing You didn't was. play against it, yeah. Yeah, you weren't um, fully in tune of, of the complete fuckery that was Vanguard Wing. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll see it, a lot of it here. I think it's, to be honest, I think it's, it's I think it's very bent, um, for lack of a better term. Um, you'll start seeing it a lot. It's a 130 point battalion, which gets you a somewhat all right hero. I mean, you can give him prayers and stuff like that. Yeah, He's fine. fine. There's it's nothing wrong cool. with him. Um, some griffhounds, which is about to dog shit. Yeah, no, it's battalion tax. Um, you can sit somewhere and hold an objective or they can screen out because they are also on like 40 mil, 32 mil bases I think um, and then you've got two units of battle line which is really the big thing is the fact that you can get two units of battle line because Stormcast have for the longest time lacked any half decent battalions that get you significantly lower drops um, you know getting like a hero and two battle line unit and a battalion regardless of what the ability does is pretty good to be honest yeah. um so, so, what, so my my hot take on it is I think it's good for the game at the moment because it fucks these shooting armies. I think it's fucking dumb to be honest. But no, no, I think it's, I think it's good because it fucks these shooting armies. It fucks these ranged armies. Um, but it's but it fucks everyone else at the same time. It's a carbon no, no, fuckery. But it, but it sucks. It sucks into any hard combat army. Like fire slayers just take it off. It can't even hurt eels now because eels, eels, I think, is bad. <laughs> but this, I think, is fine. Can't even hurt the eels to begin with. They'll smack the fuck out of it and then just move away. What it does is it fucks on the, like, unmobile, uh, no-fly, no-teleport armies that are already not good in the meta at the moment and all the ranged armies. So, to be honest, I'm not... I'm not super upset about it. I think it's fine. 
Stormcast have been sitting in the poo-poo bin for so long, like let them have five minutes in the sun again. Um, do I think it'll make it past a decent FAQ? No. But I wouldn't go out and buy 60 Liberators unless you had like a massive event in a few weeks' time, which nobody has a massive event in a few weeks' time. The only place that's getting like decent sized events that I'm seeing popping up is Aussie. Um, but realistically, I I don't think it's I don't think it's that awful. Hard combat army's going to punch it in. Yeah, you can get the liberators back if you play in hammers. You do it all correctly. Um, I really like the storm keeps. I think there's some cool play with the storm keeps and getting the plus one a hit, plus one a save. Um, some of the the smaller battalion where you can give it to the paladins and the uh, the Judicators or the Long Strikes, as well as the Liberators, is really nice. I think once they clean it up, it'll be a really good uh, secondary way to play Stormcast rather than just dropping them from the sky. But yeah, well, if you're playing Stormkeeper, obviously, which is yeah, I I don't know. I think it's going to be a mid-table feel shit. I mean, to be honest, yeah, yeah. I feel like no, what's the difference between that dropping in your face? And a two-drop fire slayer is putting like forty hearth guard in your face. That this like, happens before the game, and <clears throat> yeah, but like, it's and a then stormcast can say, army. and then stormcast can go, yeah, cool, we're gonna go first because we can actually make ourselves lower now or low enough. Um, yeah. eat, eat my dick because it's right in your face, which is but, obviously not a fun time. Yeah, but they don't do anything. Like the the hammer boys will smack you around a bit. But I think you'd be surprised, it... right, about how much output they could get. They're not gonna, they're not gonna yeah. destroy the world. That's for sure. No. But like, if, you know, if you rock up to a tournament and you're not, you're relatively new, or you just sit a fuck around with your like subpar. Oh, you can have a terrible army, and, and then someone drops this on you. You're like, sick. This is just the best. But it's no, it's no worse than playing like a a Zenger KO with Fire Slayers. I'd niff now. Like, yeah, that's that's a fair point to be honest. No, like I've gone to I played a tournament not long ago and I played KO against somebody that's his first tournament, smacked them off the table in thirty minutes and felt fucking awful. Yeah. Like this is gonna do the same thing but put the army down there and stand there and make you apologize to somebody for two hours until the fucking game's over. Yeah. Or they concede. Like it's it, yeah. It's it's whatever. It's it's Warhammer, it will come and go, it'll but I don't think it's breaking the game. I think the changes that they've made to INF is way harder breaking the game than what this fucking Liberator Bomb is doing. Yeah, I mean, it gives you the opportunity to go into combat first, and, I mean, there's no way that Stormcast don't have an ability that gives them Void Strike first. Um, they don't have an ability that makes your opponent go last. They don't have a pile-in from 6-inch away ability. Nope. Um, so... I mean, if you have like Slanesh and you locust them, or if you have or something that slays, goes pay, first, pay CD, yeah, fight twice, yeah, then you know, even if you do get thirty or sixty liberators in your face as, as the game starts, and you are playing one of those armies, and obviously you have some counter to it, and you will fuck them up. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know, I just don't think it's like overly necessary to be honest. I'm just like I don't see the point in why they. Ah, it's clearly about the a, need to design it up like this, to be honest it's clearly a fuck up like 
it's absolutely a fuck up, but it's not going to break. I don't think it's a fuck up. I think GW game. do. I think GW have no do idea. stuff. No, I think they do. I think they have yeah. a lot more behind their decisions than what people believe they do. Um, there's an obvious motive for why they would do something like this. I mean, Stormcast are like the flagship army, yet they probably don't sell as much as what they would hope, you know, if you compare them to something like Space Marines, where I would say they don't sell mm. anywhere near the amount that Space Marines do. Yeah, And like Space Marines alone sell more than every other GW product put together. So if they're wanting to like have something similar and AOS, then Stormcast is sort of a logical way to go because obviously they look quite similar. Um, and they are sort of a lot of narrative is driven through Stormcast's eyes, so to say. Um, so I think that's a part of why they make these rules, um, is obviously to drive sales. But like, I would agree I with mean, that. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, if it's a fuck up because I, sort of get the narrative behind it and to be fair stormcast have forever been the army that was supposed to teleport and drop from the sky and have precision striking attacks and so on yeah so like narratively it stacks up um it's just you know when they did it when aos first came out no one else did it and it was fucking amazing but now everyone does it and stormcast do it not as good yeah. so i guess it's possibly <clears throat> rebalancing the scales in that sense i don't know if that's the appropriate phraseology if that's how you want to say it but i think it's just redefining one of the strengths i mean outside of that outside of this battalion the stormkeep patrol can't drop from the sky um so you are having to pay for your the trade-off in that your, sense your gav to run up the board yeah i mean you can still vex the people around and stuff like yeah, that but yeah, the board. yeah you know it's I don't know. I just, I just think it's a dumb army because I'm, like, sort of as I was talking about before, total commitment. I'm kind of sick of stuff just coming off the board and then straight on the board into your yeah. face and stuff like that. And that will, that will, that would completely stop. It's that. good, if, like, but if it just it, doesn't. If it's a problem, me. if it's a problem and it doesn't fuck off, you can put total commitment in every, every mission pack, and then this army is not going to five zero event because it's slow as fuck and loses all its oh, it's jank. massively slow. If it comes down goes into someone, doesn't do what it needs to, Yeah, it's fucked. Like, this army against, like, 120 clan rats plus a bell and a vermin lord or something like that, or 160, is fucked, because it can't kill enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, they, you know, they've got to kill it to get out, I guess, but... Yeah. Like, yeah. I... If you're... Yeah. What I'm really trying to say is, if you're looking at the book and you've seen the hype about this battalion... And Stormcast at the moment, I don't you should be you should be worried about IDNF, not fucking Stormcast. Like, I we talked about it. I think last episode. What do I think the best army in the game is? And now it's IDNF. It's dumb. It's straight up dumb. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's like why why has your army got two up unrendable saves? Like yeah, yeah I mean, like I'm, what the fuck is a, going on? A, topic for another day possibly yeah yeah um but the hype around it is that the battalion fits in units that you want being a hero in some battle line um yeah. and it does something that nothing else in the game does so as soon as something that comes out like this like when Murphy came out and you couldn't kill her yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone was like what the fuck you know yeah. 
and turned uh, out to not be the end of the world that you couldn't kill Marathi because realistically, exactly. realistically you could. Yeah. Realistically, it was a bit of a, a bit of a knee jerk rather than which is the, oh, actually you can kill Marathi in two turns. It's fine, and she's pretty dog shit by the end of it. Yeah, which I think is half the fun of this game, to be honest. It's half the fun of our hobby is overreacting to shit and throwing out words and reactions and that isn't, like, that's massively overblown. Um, Things like this get you excited, too. Yeah, I mean, like, to be fair... How boring would it be if if things like this didn't pop out? Like, you just get bored of it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think it does deserve some hype and I think it will get some play. And I think someone will probably win a tournament or two with it. I don't think it's going to be meta redefining, however. Um, no. Yeah, I don't think that's sort of. No. It's just, again, it's an ability that hasn't previously. There's been pre game moves in the game for a long time. Um, there hasn't been since Vanguard, well, not even since Vanguard Wing, because again, Vanguard Wing was far superior to this. Yes. Um, there hasn't been an ability where you just pick up a battalion, which is going to be. Probably to be fair, 60 70% of your army, maybe. I don't know. I, I have a good list with it. A good three drop list. If you go it. super sweaty, it's a three drop list or four if you want to be super yeah. careful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's good, but I think it's an overreaction. I think the hype that I've heard about it is, I don't know. Yeah. Like reactionary and not. You know, not actually four. thinking it out. Yeah, but I mean, again, I've been fucking guilty of that, and I think that's half, half the bit of our hobby. And in a year like twenty twenty, when we haven't been able to play as many games as we want to, um, you know, I think it's it gives us something to talk about. Because mm. I haven't talked about the hobby in fucking ages, and I'm slowly starting to get jazzed about it after being pretty low on it since like March, since our lockdown. So you know, nine months. So. Um, I think the Wardens of the Stormkeep is probably the one you're going to see the most, to be honest, the battalion. And I think that's where the hype's at. I think the whole... That's great. That's a fucking awesome battalion, man. Yeah, I think the... Stormcast fucking need that. I think the Stormkeep is... The Stormkeep idea is actually really good as well. Um, it's great. It's a fair trade-off for the other one, uh, for their normal allegiance abilities. But I've I've been banging on for a long time about Stormcast not really having overly useful battalions other than specific builds like the Shootcast. Um, and this one gives you a Lord Castellan, which is, um, sorry, Lord Celestin, um, which is, I mean, there's like three or four different versions of. So um, that's handy because that's utility. It's probably not necessarily a model you would take, but I mean, it's not a bad tax for battalion. And it's four to five um, other Stormcast Eternal Heroes, and it has to be a Stormkeep, and you can't include monsters, so you actually can't take the one on Star Drake. So that's one less option than what I just said. Yeah. Um, and so it gives you your hero slot, so it reduces your drops on your heroes, it gives you an artifact. And then the battalion. Yeah, and then um, on your first battle round, or the first turn, sorry, you roll dice for each hero on a five up, you get a CP, but if it's a two up for your general. Um, so you should come out of it if you have six heroes. You should come out of it with sort of three extra CP. I think it is mass wise. Yeah. Um, just off the top of my head, it's Plus literally what you've always been talent. begging for, bro. You know, every put time it in you the tempest eye and you get a. I mean, not tempest eye. Oh my anvils. god, um, not anvils. Tempest lords. Tempest lords. 
and every turn you roll four up, you get a CP. You can, oh, of course, broach in that army as Five the artifact. Or you're dripping CP and you can do some real funky shit with um, the likes of Drips, yeah, Dracoline, um, or Lord Arcanum's on Grift Charges, who have a command ability that just gives Secretors, you know, like both their attack and defensive ability to reroll saves and reroll hits. And it, um, goes it, off gives it, it gives the Yeah, it gives the evocators instant casts that you can't unbind. Um, it makes shit automatic. It starts making it a little bit more zenchy, which is mm. pretty Good. amazing. So I think, I think initially the the hot take is Stormkeep, um, but the Stormkeep patrol, sorry. But I think you know after six months, once the dust is settled, you'll see wardens of the Stormkeep everywhere. Yeah, you'll see a lot. Um, because I think it's, I think it's frankly fucking amazing. Yeah, and I think you can fit that into any sort of style of stormcast that you want. So if you want to go MSU, you know, units of five everywhere, or if you want to go shooting, you know, you can put it in anvils as you said, and you can still take um, long strikes and shit like that. You can instead of having like a block of twelve, you could have like two units of six or so. Um, you can put it into a combat tempest with tricks and cats, you know. Um, you can you can go old cast with it if you want. You can put it in hammers uh, with Vandis, and he can just feel like yeah, everyone has plus seventeen attacks because my command ability is broken and no one talks about it. Yeah, um, you know, like it's uh, it's. I think that's the one that you want to go for, and I think that's where the whole where the play is going to be at. And um, I think that's the one we'll be talking about in time. And and my immediate thought from looking at this. Um, I would be looking at the Wardens of the Stormkeep because I think it it doesn't pigeonhole you into redeploying and taking a bunch of Liberators um, because that will be good in some instances. But once you get to tables, you know, turns, I mean, not turns, rounds like four and five and you've got your Fire Slayers or your OBR or your Zench or your, you know... Um, yeah, eels, yeah, I'd never deep can. You'll learn if they'll just go cool, sweet, like we don't give a fuck, you know. You can yeah, push you 60 liberators into me, but we all have jank mechanics around that, you know, Zenchus might want to hurt and so on. Um, yeah. Plus, they're going to outdrop you because they're going to be a one or two drop. Um, OBR, one activation, is, too, so you had a screen. Yeah, OBR take pretty resilient, boys. and they will hit you harder in combat, and they don't care about battle shock, and then they'll laugh at you for the rest of the game. Um, eels will just screen you up with unrendable eels and then fly away from you and you'll be stuck there. Fire slaves will just fight before you and kill you. Um, Slanesh, although we don't see it, might be locust you and stuff like that. Lumineth is minus one to hit because they've been shiny. And then they'll just dick you with mortal wounds on the counterpunch and kill all your heroes and all your shit and the army will just fall apart. Um, yeah, it's... That's my initial thoughts anyway. I haven't looked at any lists, but just based off what I know about Stormcast and what I've just read now, I think that's where it'll be at. Um, I know I'd like to pick this up at another time, but I'm kind of eager to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest. So I think we'll move on to, we'll do something we've done for a long minute. And we're going to shout out the NZ um, rankings. I'm just going to take a sip of water because I'm parched as fuck, so... I don't have them up. I don't know who's number one. Is Mitch number one? Yeah. 
Yeah, so NZ ranking. So in New Zealand, like Australia and the UK, we have a Masters and like a lot of other countries. Sorry, there's a lot of European countries that do it. So I know. Um, I think it's more or less just America that doesn't do it for the fact that the country is like 50 different countries. Um, And we have a ranking system and our Masters has changed. Um, It was actually changing before COVID happened. It was in a sort of a revamped stage, but because COVID happened this year, I guess it worked out quite well. So we don't have a huge amount of events. I'm looking at the person who's gone to the most events, and that is Victor, and he's got six events. Um, or some other crush, usually. So they also have six events. So, But we figured, you know, Masters is in May in New Zealand. It's the top 20 again invite. Um, previous Masters gets an auto invite. Uh, so really need to be in the top 19, assuming that the previous Master isn't in the top 20. Um, yeah, and it's just a little match play AOS tournament that we come together and it's in Auckland next year in May. Um, Tubby won it two years ago now, Tubby. When did you win it? 2018? 2019? 2018. Uh, 2018. Yeah, and that was the second one you went to, away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't go the year after. Went the year before, so I'm really looking forward to Masters coming up because it's going to be like the first real hard, sweaty tournament. I feel. Um, yeah, it will be of, after COVID. You know, mm-hmm. like there's no massive tournaments that I care about that much. It seems like they're coming up, mm-hmm. but Masters is always on the brink. So I'm fucking super keen. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely keen for a turn out of. Played a couple of games of hobby, a couple of games of hammer in the last sort of four or five weeks, which is probably more than I've played in the last six months, to be honest. So it's sort of got my juices going again. But we'll shout them out anyway, because we did start this podcast with the goal to promote New Zealand. And I feel like we did it well for the first year or so, and then we sort of just fell off that. But anyway, uh, so we've got Mitch Hardy, number one. Um, yeah, so boy. Mitch is who you said. Uh, he's got the LCR Bone Reaper and the Scave Inside tags with him. Uh, we've got Richard Punt down in Christchurch. Um, well, he's got a daughter's cane badge, actually, so check that out. Not for long. <laughs> Stephen Morris from Auckland, number three. Victor Stewart from Christchurch, number four. Cameron King, number five in Christchurch. Uh, Wellington, Kerry Melody at number six. Uh, ben Rose from Christchurch, number seven. Sean Tubman, so that's you, Tubby, at number eight. Uh, Robbie Brown at number nine. Sean Bates, so that's me, at number ten. Um, Alexander Sinclair at 11, um, Sam Bernard at number 12 from Auckland, Bo Patterson from Wellington. Bo finished last year at the top of the rankings, I believe, yeah, but he didn't go to Masters. Yeah, he was number one quite comfortably, I think. Yeah. We in New Zealand have a 300-point scale, so the most points you can get score at a tournament is 100 points, and depending on the size of the tournament, you can achieve 100 points. I believe if it's over 20 people, you can achieve 100 points max. Yeah. Um, so it's your three best results. And I think last year Bo had like a 290 or something like that. Yeah. So which like... meant he won two events, two max point events, and then came pretty close to winning another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Trey Winokur is in um, 14th. Um, Bartos, I'm not going to pronounce your last name, Bud, because I'm going to butcher it. Sorry, it's <laughs> 15th. He's from Auckland. Um, we've got Peter at 16, we've got Ben Black at 17, we've got Jesse Lee at 18, we've got Robert Vincent at 19, and then we got, um, is it Ryan? At 20. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that name, but I'm just going to go off that. So sorry if that's mispronounced. 
Um, so notably, James Page, who's the current master, actually isn't in that list. So you need to be in the top 19 if you are looking to come yeah. to masters because James might, Jimmy might be like 50 or something like that. Um, but because he's previous master, he gets an invite. So if you are looking to go to masters and you're on that sort of cusp, keep that in mind. Um, there hasn't been many events outside of Christchurch in New Zealand this year. So um, yeah, Christchurch has been killing it. Yeah, so the difference in points-wise. So you look at the points, Mitch has 257 points at the top, and he's about 13 points ahead of number two, and then number two is about 11 points ahead of number three. And then it starts to like almost bottleneck where you're talking about three or four points between each person. Um, so for an example, number 20 has 147 points, um, whereas number 10, so 10 places high as me, is 202. So I'm like 50 points ahead, which is, that could just be one good result at a tournament. Um, so yeah, so keep it up, guys, if that's what you're looking for. Um, it'll be interesting. Masters May 22 um, to may 23 just saw that date um we're gonna we're gonna call it there lads um good to get back in the microphone good to get back in your ears um i'm getting text from my spouse who is at a <laughs> christmas party saying can you come pick me up i'm at jnm which if anyone in wellington knows what jnm is it's a dirty chinese restaurant that you go to at the end of the night to fucking line your stomach with dirty sweet and sour pork before you come up <laughs> and she's messaging me saying I need you. So I need to run. <laughs> I need to go pick up my lovely spouse. Um, otherwise, she'll be upset. But we are going to jump back in your ears in the next week or two, guys. We're wanting to do another show, maybe another two, over December. Um, the next one, we're going to talk about uh, shooting and specifically sort of how Playing to counter it, it because yeah. Tubby has some big feels about this. Um, and the shooting meta has possibly finally arrived after talking about it for years and years and it's really not absolutely here yeah yeah so we'll talk about that on our next show so we'll probably before we record next time we'll probably chuck it out to the public to you lovely ladies and gentlemen to feed us some content and you know carry the show a bit for us hopefully you've enjoyed this um and we'll leave it there for now see you guys what up break
the showers Didn't even get no static from the cowards Cause just yesterday them booze tried to blast me Saw the police and they rolled right past me No flexing, didn't even look in a nigga's direction As I ran the intersection Went to show dog's house, they was watching you on TV raps What's the haps on the craps? Shake em up, shake em up, shake em up, shake em Roll em in a circle of niggas and watch me break em with the 7 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, 7 even back door little Joe I picked up the cash flow, then we played bowls And I'm yelling domino, plus nobody I know got killed in South Central LA Today was a good day Trying to fuck sister 12th grade It's ironic I had the rule, she had the chronic The Lakers beat the supersonic I felt on the big fat fanny Pulled out the jammy And killed the poop nanny And my dick runs deep So deep, so deep Put her ass to sleep Woke her up around one She didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube The top gun Drove her to the pad and I'm coasting Took another sip of the potion Hit the Everything had worked out Dropped her ass off and then chirped out Today was like one of those fly dreams Didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams No helicopter looking for murder Two in the morning got the fat burger Even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp And it went ice cubes up pimp Drunk as hell but no throwing up Halfway home and my page is still blowing up Today I didn't even have to use my AK I gotta say it was a good day Thinking about.